Welcome to Women in Chemicals, Woman of the Week. I'm Amelia. And I'm Kylie, and we're joined this morning by Michelle Krause, Key Accounts Manager for Pen Color. Hello, good morning. Thanks for having me today, ladies. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Norman Fox & Co. Celebrating their 50th year, Norman Fox & Co. is dedicated to the highest standards in the manufacturing, distribution, and development of specialty chemicals. Core markets consist of agriculture, personal care, household, industrial, and institutional, paints and coatings, food, nutraceutical, pharmaceutical, and general industrial. Norman Fox & Co. believes people are a company's greatest asset. They strive to empower their people to deliver the highest level of customer service in the industry and are very proud to have built a company culture around honesty, loyalty, and integrity. Great. Thanks, Amelia. Good morning, Michelle. Thanks for joining us here today. Um, so, Michelle, I think what we'll do super quick, if you could, is just give us a quick introduction. Tell us what you do, um, your educational and career journey thus far, and kind of how you got to where you are today. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so I'm Michelle Krause. I'm currently a key account manager uh, with Pen Colors, so I get to sell colors, uh, which is kind of fun. But um, I started out um, also in sales. I've been in sales my um, entire career. So I graduated from University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire with a chemistry degree, um, then went to work for a, a chemical distributor called Chem Central. Uh, they're now, I believe, called Univar. So I sold some commodity um, chemicals and solvents and things like that for about a year and a half, and then took that experience and transitioned to a company called Roman Haas, uh, which is now Dow Chemical, and had a wonderful experience at Roman Haas. I was there for about 11 years selling um, mostly acrylic resins and some additives to all kinds of applications, paints and coatings, non-wovens, um, medical products, um, a lot of different um, applications. Um, then took that experience and went to Praxair, which is an industrial gas company, uh, which was a completely different um, industry. So I um, sold nitrogen, oxygen, argon, carbon dioxide for, gosh, close to um, 10 years, again, as, as an account manager, um, covering accounts in, in pretty much um, all, of, all of the U.S. And then just recently, about a year ago, um, landed at Penn Color as, as a key accounts um, manager as well. So, and in, in that time, I also went to graduate school and, you know, did some a lot, well, some, a lot of professional development um, seminars and trainings and things like that. And now, you know, we fast forward 25 years later and, and here I am. So it's certainly been, been a whirlwind. Lots of changes, lots of fun. Um, yeah, I think we'll get into it a, a little bit later, but I'm very interested to understand kind of what some of the most drastic changes you've experienced over your 25 years have been. But um, Michelle, you mentioned that you got a chemistry degree as your undergrad mm -hmm. and then that you pursued graduate school. So mm -hmm. uh, a couple thoughts and questions kind of passed my mind in this introduction and it's um, first, what did you study in graduate school? And then, well, maybe revert back. So when you, when you studied chemistry, how did you know, or did you know that that would pivot to a sales career? Is that what you wanted to do? And then what did you study in graduate school? 
Okay. You know, I didn't think I would go into sales uh, when I was in college. I really loved, you know, the lab life, um, the research part of things and, you know, getting your hands dirty and just being around a lot of like creative and collaborative people. So I never thought I would go into sales, but I had an advisor um, in undergrad at the time who was just wonderful at really picking your brain and kind of seeing where your interests were and then just giving you other ideas. Because really I was, you know, I had that one track mind thinking I'm going to have a chemistry degree and I'm going to go work in the lab. So, and he really was, not forceful, but, you know, very assertive to me saying, I think you'd be better for sales. I think you should at least try it. You can always go back to the lab, you know, if you don't like it, but if you start out in the lab and you're like, huh, you know, you might just stay there for 40 years. So he was just a very wonderful, thoughtful man that really wanted you to be happy um, in your career. And turns out he was very much right. So <laughs> now I can't imagine being in the lab. So and Very I get to cool. work with a lot of people who are in the lab. So I actually, exactly. do, you know, in the yeah. lab. Everyone. It sounds like a good mix. Before we started chatting, you talked about how often you're chatting with our technical folks and stuff mm -hmm. on, on their requests. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then Michelle, what did you study for, for your graduate degree? Well, I totally switched gears and I got an MBA in finance. Um, okay. I just wanted kind of that other side um, of the coin, really the numbers and the math and, you know, how to um, you know, read financial statements and, and things like that. So that was very interesting. That was certainly a challenge because I'm, I'm a very much a science person and a little bit of math. And this was a lot of, you know, analysis and, and things like that. So, but very yeah, cool. It served me well. For, for yeah. Sure. Yeah. Both Amelia and I are pursuing our graduate degrees right now, part-time. Um, did you do a part-time program or did you leave your career yeah. and come back? Nope. I did the part-time like evening weekend, um, thing for gosh, I think it took three and a half years. Okay. So, and that to okay. me was fast. I felt like I was, you know, you just work and go to school, work and go to school. <laughs> yep. We know that routine, huh, yeah. Amelia? And once it's done, you have it and no one can take it away from you and you know, you move on. So yeah, I'm, I'm already looking forward to, having that under my belt and I've oh, yeah. got admittedly probably two years left in the program I just started. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I mean, it already is. I, I agree. So it's been good so far, but that's awesome. So um, Michelle, as we jump into some of these other questions here, can you help us to understand in your 25 year career thus far, your take on, you know, your experiences in an industry that is, you know, generally perceived as male dominated. So the chemicals industry. Um, so do you feel as though that perception in your experience is accurate? Um, and how have you vouched for yourself in that type of an environment? Well, I've certainly been in, you know, very male dominated industries um, my whole career from chemicals to you know, just working in the sciences, a lot of engineering. Um, I worked with equipment, selling equipment and things like that for quite some time. So yes, definitely um, male dominated. Um, gosh, really since I started, um, as far as vouching for myself, I think, I don't know if I've done it like super outwardly, but I think it's just, you know, working hard and taking ownership and responsibility for, you know, at least for sales, like your territory um, or your business. Um, I've kind of maybe taken it 
upon myself, or maybe it's my own mindset to just kind of prove my myself to others, you know, um, to kind of keep up, you know, with everyone else. And then just in your own way, um, be assertive, you know, make sure you're always showing interest in what you're doing or, or what other people are doing and really just constantly learning. It's kind of, you know, a kind of self-support um, um, kind of thing. So those are some of the things that I've done. So when you say constantly learning, I'm intrigued. What kind of things do you look for for your own, you know, self-development? You've mentioned that a couple times here today about how you're always, you know, development, developmentally involved. So what does that look like for you? Well, I'm a big reader and I haven't done enough in the last couple of years for sure, but I'm always trying to think of, you know, how do you get to the next level? How are others, you know, getting to the next level? And what does next level even mean? And I think for me, it's just even like incremental improvement. So I just started a book called Raise Your Game, which is about, actually, it's more sports oriented, but it's how these really elite athletes take their skills they've learned in basketball or football or wherever. And then after those careers are over, how do you kind of parlay that into business ventures? And like, what are the skills or like the mindsets you need um, to do that? So I've learned a lot just, you know, really from reading and kind of the, the art of positive thinking, you know, which sounds a little bit out there, but there's also a lot to that. If you read, you know, profiles of different CEOs and how they think and um, analyze things, it's, it, yeah, I guess very interesting. But, and in my past, um, especially with Roman Haas in particular, we did so much professional development, you know, every year was, you know, kind of what is the latest, you know, company that comes in and um, trains you or just educates you on, you know, how to get to that next level. And there are some really hardcore programs out there. I mean, with Roman Haas, we would, they would videotape us in like role-playing situations right? Which is horrifying. Like, let's right. just be honest, absolutely horrifying. But we did that for four days straight once. And then you'd have to watch it back and you'd have like an expert trained person, just pick apart everything you said. And, and for like your benefit, like you could have said it this way or how mm -hmm. else, you know, could you have phrased that to maybe have gotten your point across or could have pulled more information out of whoever you were talking to. So it was really fascinating because there's, you know, quite the psychology behind sales and, and whatnot. So and I don't know if I use a lot of that now. I think sales has relaxed a lot where it's not, you know, I guess I was never really in any kind of hardcore or really hard press sales. It's more relationship building, but they certainly trained us in a way to just give you, you know, some of those skills. Um, yeah, like the, the hard skills that come with yeah. sales. So I am not in on your side of that. And I think it's it's these types of kind of things that I automatically cringe to a little bit, like the discomfort that I that kind of might steer me away from that a little mm -hmm. bit. But I give you props for, oh. you know, taking that type of initiative and getting uncomfortable. And maybe it is comfortable now because you've done that. And those are things that are so cool to me. Um, you know, like you mentioned this videotaping scenario type deal, that would be something mm -hmm. that would really put me out of my comfort zone for sure. And I can for tell sure. you there were, when I was with Roman Haas, I was one of the youngest people. So least experience, even 
um, account managers with 25 years experience were absolute nervous wrecks. So it's everyone's in the same boat, which always makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> you know, yeah. that everyone's really, really, you know, nervous and doesn't really want to do it. But, yeah. you know, when you're finished with it, you're kind of proud of yourself. You made it through and you learned some things. And, you know, it wasn't a program a lot of companies did at the time. So, um, yeah, we made it, I guess. Yeah. So you made a comment about how sales has relaxed a lot um, and it. From, from the experience kind of overview you have given, you've, you've been in, in more industrial science-based industries, chemistry-based industries um, for, for much of your career journey. Mm -hmm. Is there anything, you know, that jumps out at you as having changed over your time, like from a sales perspective and, and the expectations that you have? over, you know, your, your career so far? Yes. Oh gosh. Well, I know just the speed at which everything moves now is so much faster um, than what, you know, my first even 10 years um, in this kind of career path. Um, I think workloads are, I mean, it has to be close to double what, you know, I ever started out with. I mean, it was my first probably 10 years. It was just very, you were just kind of cruising around, you know, <laughs> making your sales calls, having a lot, having fun, you know, working hard, but having fun. And now there's, you know, there are just lots of goals and there's a goal to everything, right? So it's not just here, you have your, you know, yearly strategy document you put together and you just start checking off your things that you wanted to get done um, for the year. Now it's, you know, there could be monthly or quarterly check-ins and what could we be doing better? And, you know, th things like that. It's, there's a, it's a lot more detail oriented now, I think, and maybe even just more controlled internally. Um, whereas when I first started, I often thought, gosh, nobody knows I'm in California, you know, <laughs> and nobody cares, right? So yeah. doing my job and now it's much more controlled. And I'm sure, you know, because of the costs, um, that it takes to travel now and things like that. So, and for safety right. reasons, you know, after 9-11, when people had everyone around the world, nobody knew where people were, you know, at least, you know, the company I work for, you know, wasn't sure where everyone was at yeah. that point. So I think it's a lot more companies want to keep track of people as well. But, but I think the biggest one is just the speed, the pace now is, is much more, you know, quick than, than, yeah, they started out with so and hopefully that slows down because we can only go so fast. Right. So but, you bring up a good point. And I yeah, think that, so. you know, the very real impacts of, you know, I, I'm sitting in my living room still. So so the pandemic yeah. has put us at home and given yeah. us so much more flexibility in positive ways, but also you know, I continue to talk and touch base and stay very closely connected with my teams about, you know, how much work we're really squeezing into these days when my computer is right in my living room so I can go respond at any time, right? So, you know, there are, you know, curves of this, like always being plugged in versus trying to detach and unwind too, that have been really such a learning curve for me personally. And, you know, even the last 18 months or so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And you have to disconnect at times. And I think like I was thinking early this morning, like really in the last five years, I feel like there's been more of an emphasis on like the work life balance where, you know, you, 
we do feel like plugged in all the time. So, you know, at my son's baseball games, I'll, you know, checking emails, you know, when there's some downtime and that, you know, I think that's harmful at some point, you do need to just relax and get away and, and, you know, enjoy your, your personal life. So I know I've taken more of a point to just kind of, you know, prioritize, you know, my work life and my personal life and make sure I'm getting, you know, both things done versus mm-hmm. letting your personal life kind of fall off. Um, right. Have you found yourself, Michelle, in the last, you know, since the pandemic hit, having to kind of check yourself a, a bit more? Yes, but it really only because, you know, kids at home, right? So <laughs> kids are at home trying to do school and things like that. So you do get pulled away a little okay. bit. So, um, so I think, you know, the last year and a half, you've kind of had to do some things at night just to keep caught up because you might've been, you know, pulled away a little bit during the day. So now we kind of have to go back to hopefully normal, you know, yes. whatever normal is, right. I don't right. know if normal will be normal anymore, but um, right. whatever um, that looks like. So, but I know I've, you know, when the, we first started this whole pandemic thing and everyone was at home, it was really a struggle. Um, to trying to figure out how do you do, you know, your family life and your work life at the exact same time. Right, right. Especially, you know, like you said, with kids at home, we talk about this uh, a lot in our interviews um, with with our women of the week and, and their families and how, you know, the reality is that there's not a perfect balance, but what are the things that you do to make that balance? Um, so is there anything specific that you can share to our community, Michelle, on that front. Are there things, you know, you mentioned just making sure that you're aware and prioritizing, you know, the family time versus the work time. Um, any Anything else that you do, small things each day to kind of check yourself? You know, I try to let each day just go because you're going to have good days and bad days. And if you let the bad times really eat you up, it's just going to carry over into your own life. So if there's a day where there's just lots of noise and I have meetings and you know there are kids talking in the background or dogs barking, you know, now it's kind of normal to hear that, right? So, but it used to really bother me, you know, when I was in meetings and you know, someone says, Oh, what can can someone mute their microphone? Cause there's noise in the background and you know, and now it's just, I think it's everyone's normal. I, I hear dogs barking on a daily basis. Right, <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, just letting it go, you know, at the end of the day, it's not a big deal, um, even yeah. if it's in that particular moment. So I think I would make I'm, a good point. I'm bolding that for myself. I need to be a little bit better at that. Let it go. <laughs> so. <laughs> Great. So we've kind of jumped a little bit on the on the question front, but I really appreciate your commentary there. So I might go back up uh, a couple questions here and Michelle offer up the opportunity for you to discuss um, how you have felt supported by women in your professional environments and how we as women together can be more supportive of each other uh, in the pursuit of our own careers. So you talk about all this developmental activity and, and prioritize how you prioritize that. Um, how do we do that in support of each other? Um, and, and how do we make sure that women in our industry feel supported to do that themselves as well? Okay. Well, I think it's really important to prioritize building relationships with women. You know, a lot of times we all get a little bit competitive, you know, just within our own companies. And 
you know, I've always made a point and a lot of people I know have made a point to just kind of shut that down. Um, Cause I've always had good, you know, female friends within companies cause there aren't a lot of us. Right. So we've, you know, kind of supported each other and offered guidance and tried to figure out, you know, how to navigate management in companies. Cause sometimes that's certainly, you know, an art um, in itself. So, and really just be a mentor um, to new uh, women that come in and maybe don't know the company or in, or in a new position uh, where I might interact them and of, above all, just encourage other women and listen, you know, cause sometimes we just have to vent right there. You just have to get it out. And then, <laughs> and then we're all, we're all good again. Everything feels balanced. And um, yeah, and I guess if I keep thinking about it, just, you know, sharing knowledge and experience, hopefully that, you know, is supportive um, of other women and, you know, you learn as much from what your mistakes were as your successes. So make sure you mm-hmm. talk about what your mistakes were, where you kind of messed up and what you feel like you could do differently. Cause that's very valuable, um, to another person. Um, and they can kind of share in that cause we've all, you know, had our failures, um, of course. Years. so, um, yeah, but I, I think there's definitely power in numbers. So if we kind of group up and, you know, befriend each other and have that kind of support um, system, it will only make everyone, you know, grow and be successful. So, yeah, you made a great point. Amelia and I both, I, I bolded in my notes. She sent it my way. You said it's really important to prioritize building relationships with women within our organizations. And you compared that to you know, a, a different side or perspective of getting competitive with these women in our organizations. Um, we, we've talked about that in some of these conversations about how sometimes women feel the need to, you know, kind of par up with the other women um, in our organizations to, you know, have a louder voice or, or be, feel heard. Um, and I think that there is just as much, if not more power that comes with partnering up together and listening to each other. Um, Amelia, what are your thoughts there? I think that's exactly right. I mean, that's the mission of uh, this Women in Chemicals organization is really to prioritize building relationships with other women. And I think that, like Michelle said, like exemplifying accountability and sharing expertise, like these are reasons that I wanted this group for myself is because when I saw other women in the industry, they exemplified accountability, they shared expertise, they were willing to go above and beyond, they were collaborative, and it was about wanting to build more and more of these connections. So I loved that entire commentary, that was great. Oh, wonderful, thank you. Michelle, you're in a, you're in a, we're, we're lucky to have you in this community. Well, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So Michelle, we've got a couple other questions. I think I'm going to jump to the last two here. Um, This one's new. This is a newer question. And so I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what your thoughts are here. So if you were to give your, you know, early career self uh, a couple years into the industry, new to the industry self, some advice, what would it be? Well, I would honestly say, and this is something I, I think my mom told me when I graduated high school, she said, if it scares you, do it. 
And I've tried to do that, which is very hard to do, right? So I've tried to carry that through my whole career to think if something scares me, if I want a different position, maybe I don't think I'm right for it, or I maybe I don't think I can do it, just go for it. You know, if you think you're not experienced enough and you don't meet the qualifications of a job or a position or something in a new company, just do it anyway. You know, because chances are, if you've thought that much about it and you're worried you won't be able to do it, you're the exact person that's going to like rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, that's, and it's a very uncomfortable place to be, but that's also where your growth is, right? If you just stay in the same spot, your safe little circle, which is, you know, if people want to do that, that's totally fine. That's their comfort level. Um, that's great. But if you want to really, you know, have growth in your skills and your own development, you have to be like uncomfortable and have that anxiety and be, you know, a little bit afraid. So, mm-hmm. and I've certainly done that many times <laughs> now I feel like, um, and honestly, you kind of get used to it and you right. learn to navigate through it. And then it's a very short period of time in your whole career. So, you know, just yeah. kind of jump in and do it. So, and, and you talk about a little bit, you know, you, find success through, you know, working hard, being accountable, um, showing up, being present, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And even if you are a bit, you know, apprehensive or or scared to give it a try, it's not in your nature to not at least give it your best try and it Mm -hmm. will all work out. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good point. Thanks for sharing. I should bring this up because it, it's on my mind with when I talk to different friends who are struggling, you know, in their positions, I feel like if something is really hard day after day after day, like you're on the wrong path. And I've Mm -hmm. seen that with friends. I feel like I've experienced it once um, earlier in my career. And if it's just hard and I don't even really know how to define it, but just every day you're like, gosh, this makes my life so hard. And I just think it's the wrong thing for you. So, and then those, I think those are things I've learned from just reading different books over the years as well. Like having the anxiety, like the exciting anxiety, you know, a little bit of fear is good because it's rejuvenating, but when you're hard or things are beating you down and it's just hard, it just might be the wrong path for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. And I think that's so important that you called that out. It's okay to, to experience that discomfort as well, but it's an, it's a, reality check a little bit too yeah um, and also scary because you don't know what can be on the other side sometimes in that situation either yeah yeah and people tell you the grass is not greener on the other side but it certainly can be probably because michelle maybe they're having some really hard days that they can't have find the comfort to take their own leap yeah anyway i believe it yes so you mentioned a lot about what you read and you talked about this, uh, the raise your game book, um, mm-hmm. Michelle. So we like to wrap up with any other book podcast motto recommendations for the group. Mm. If you have others, you know, I just recently watched the secret as well. Maybe I already mentioned this, but that was a fascinating, I know it's a book too. I have yep. the book. It was really, it's a really deep book. So it lost me a little bit. So I watched the movie. <laughs> Right. So, but that, that was really interesting too. just, you know, having that positive thinking mindset and kind of self-talk to kind of propel you 
um, forward. So I told myself I should watch it you know, like every other week or something just to keep my my mind in that positive space. So I really enjoyed that one as well. But the Raise Your Game book, I mean, I'm only a two or three chapters into it. I think it yeah. would be very useful really across industries um, and positions, uh, different jobs. So I would yeah. recommend that too. And oh gosh, I have a lot of them on um, <laughs> Audible. So I'd have to literally look up. Oh yeah, no, these are great. If you think of others, we're happy to yeah. share them uh, to our okay. community as they come to mind or as you, you know, if you really enjoy one, send them our way. We're happy to share that with our, our group. So. And I also enjoy these talks with, you know, I lot, watched a lot of the other, your other videos with the women of the week. And that's, I mean, very enlightening as well, just to yeah. hear real life people <laughs> talk about experiences and, you know, what they've learned and to answer some of these questions as well. It's been, it makes you think, which is, is good. I think so too. Amelia and I talk about, well, she has a commute right now. I don't have one yet nice. again, but she listens to these on her commute. Um, and I think that that's a great way to start or finish a day too. So absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, Michelle, it's been a pleasure. Um, your insights and, and your, you know, experience sharing here has been really helpful for me. And, you know, like you said, it's just a good thing to think about. So you've got me thinking and I really appreciate your insights today. So thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Yes. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Michelle.